20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can find me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I'm joined once again by Mike Wall. You can find him on Twitter and X at Mike Wall 68, former great Green Bay Packers guard. And uh, he played for some other teams too, I guess. But he's a great, former Green Bay Packers guard as well. We're introducing him. Mike, how the heck have you been, man? Hey, good, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Let's start off with the obvious. Packers going to Dallas. They 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 get out to a 27-0 lead. They pretty much dominate throughout. Dallas gets a couple garbage touchdowns at the end, which end up being garbage touchdowns. As you went back and watched this and rewatched it and, and viewed the tape of it, what were you most struck by as you kind of – took a, a further look at this game. Uh, so first I want to just blanket statement. It's really hard to win in Dallas. Like it's like, it's like they made the game look easy. And so I think the thing I was most struck by initially was I've been down there played a bunch of times with different teams and it's just a hard place to win a football game. And I, I can't really put my finger on why that is, uh, whether the Cowboys are good that year or not. It's always a tough place to win. So that's part of it. And obviously they have that home record going to 16 and one now, I guess over the last 17 games. Yep. Um, the thing that really stood out the most to me was watching this tape <clears throat> was you're looking at a, a, a younger team, a younger coach versus an older or veteran team, a veteran coach and the veteran team and veteran coach. I, I don't, I don't know that I've watched a tape and thought there's a team that is, being completely outplanned, outprepared, outperformed so badly in every aspect of the game that the Dallas Cowboys, like the Dallas Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys could have watched my preview show and done. I mean, I'm not like, I, I'm not, I'm saying that tongue in cheek, but like, seriously, the, you, they could have watched somebody's preview show and got and had a better game plan. I, I just, I was floored how, just how poorly they, just very like just from a concept and scheme standpoint, how poorly they did some things. It was it was I didn't think they had a playoff team to begin with just because of their defense, all the small people they have up there. But to keep them in, like to not put Micah Parsons at linebacker and bring another defensive end at some point, you're just going like, dude, are you trying to lose? Like, well, I don't understand what we're doing. So the, the Green Bay Packers that went in and played a great game. But I guess like the overriding thing that I couldn't get, I, I got mad at the tape. I got mad at the Cowboys watching the tape. They were so bad. Yeah, it was it was a really weird game plan on both sides of the ball. Defensively, I was more struck by the inability to sort of counter what Green Bay was doing through the course of the game and still seeing, obviously, their undersized linebackers, their safeties playing deep, and Green Bay just running right up the middle, and Dallas really not countering it all that well. It felt like Dallas got into their offense uh, in the rhythm just far too late. I think, and maybe you can speak to this better, it feels like sometimes um, – I don't know if it's being too cute, but you put together a game plan that you think is going to, you know, maybe try to stay balanced. I feel like Dallas could have come out and spread Green Bay out more and just kind of thrown it on them all day and done it earlier. Um, but it, it was just a weird disjointed game all the way around from Dallas. Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys could have gotten and like if if you watch my, my show on Monday, I, I literally just go through like almost like play by play. Dallas Cowboys could could have gotten in nickel. Like they've shown this on tape over and over again. They could have gotten Green Bay and nickel and ran the football against six or seven in the box as as many times as they wanted. I would love to see their yards per carry and nickel. I'll bet you it was like seven. 
Yeah. I mean, they didn't stop. Green Bay couldn't stop them. And like it, nobody can stop them because they have good players. On, they have three all pros. And so you you start going like, oh, well, that, you know, that, that seems like it could be an issue. I wonder why they don't do that. And they lined up, they started lined up in like 12 personnel, 21. Green Bay Packers are in base. They're, they're, their center or their right guard gets beat every play. Tyron Smith on the backside is getting, you know, like, like long armed by Kenny. Yep. And you're going like, again, I'm thrilled the Packers are winning, but I can't believe this isn't more obvious to you guys. Uh, I, I just, I don't know if it's a being cute thing or it almost felt like they were game planning for this round of football and not last round. Cause it was just, it was so obvious how, how, how poorly the plan was developed. Were you surprised that Dallas decided to keep Mike McCarthy after this game? And are you surprised yeah. that Dan Quinn seems to be um, at least very much in the running for the Seattle job after this game? Uh, I think he's probably in the running for a lot of jobs because he's such a good like culture guy. Yeah. You know, and, and like you can't obviously you don't define. I mean, the hard thing with Dan is is like, yeah, Dan, like why do you have why do you have a safety play middle linebacker or then actually your actual safety or number 14 who's like 205 pounds? Like, why is that? How does that make sense? Um, so there's that part of it. But then you start going, OK, well, personnel wise, this is like you kind of knew they were going to get to this point and then they were going to run into trouble because you win football games in the trenches in in, in January and February. Uh, but the the Mike McCarthy thing, I just I just I said this on my show. Uh, I just released it. And, and I it's a tough thing because I don't think I don't think Mike McCarthy deserves to be fired, but I think he should have been. Because I don't, or I think maybe he should he should want to. I don't think you can win football game. I don't think like Jerry, the ghost of Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and that offensive, like the ghost of those guys. They'll never. You're never going to get the respect you want unless you drop banners. And when Jerry's, it's like it's not the media. It's not. It's it's everybody inside the building. The way that he pushed, puts pressure, that he always has to be in the spotlight. He has radios, all this stuff that he does to constantly put pressure on your your head coach, your your coaching staff, then all the way down to your players. It's it just seems like it doesn't seem like a very good environment to win football game, to win important football games, quite frankly. And uh, with Mike, it's like you you win a couple games a season in a you know obviously you get four free wins to the Commanders and the in the Giants every year. You should. Um, and so you've won 12 games a season and you can't be successful in the playoffs. And I guess if I was, if I was on the other side of it, I was 81 years old and, and running out of time, I would probably go, well, maybe I need to change what I'm doing and get somebody in here who can like maybe take care of more business. Mike's done, got 12 wins. So are we trying to get 12 wins here? Or are we trying to drop banners? If we're trying to drop banners, I probably need to move on. And if we're trying to get 12 wins, because a lot of teams would love to get 12 wins a year, right? Like yep. you can talk about a lot of teams that can't do that. So, I mean, the Panthers would do anything to get 12 wins a year right now. Yep. And so I, I think the standard that you set for yourself sometimes, you know, if, if, I think from the Cowboys perspective, it's like, he was, he's always football. We, we, you know, we want to drop banners. It's like, well, they get rid of your 12 one coach because he can't win the playoffs. It, Dallas felt, from the very onset of this game, just so tight and so nervous. And so like they weren't playing like the way green Bay was just free and flowing to the football. It, it just a, it was a noticeable difference. It's the, the whole CD lamb situation and McCarthy going over and talking to him and, and him and dad, like it was, it was so odd. And it just felt like 
to your point, like the ghost of Jimmy Johnson and not that they're dead, obviously, but like the, the history of that place um, and what they've done in the past is just it's it's almost too much in the, the pressure there. And it, it definitely felt like it got to Dallas in that one. And Green Bay exploited it early. I love the decision to take the kickoff and go down and they grinded out that first drive to go go and get that that first touchdown drive. And then from there, uh, they just took over the game and it was awesome to watch. Um I want to start. You mentioned playoff games are, are one in the trenches. I would love to talk about the Packers offensive line in this one, because while Dallas's defensive scheme maybe wasn't the ideal and perfect, and they had some undersized guys at linebacker, like you said, Marquise Bell is, I don't know, 205 dripping wet, but, um, but I thought that Green Bay's offensive line really did a great job in limiting uh, the pass rush. Um, obviously, they only dropped back 21 times, so it wasn't a ton, but uh, at the same token, also opening up alleys for Aaron Jones in this game. Yeah, it was, it's it's just always interesting how football's played out. Because, again, it's a really tough place to play. So you see, like, the first drive. So Demarcus Lawrence blows up the first two running plays by himself. Um, and that's the that's the quality player that he is. Uh, but then they get the holding call on Bland, who's first-team All-Pro, by the way. <clears throat> and uh, so, we, you know, we on the third down sack – or the second yep. down sack, sorry. So, so, like, these – so you're going like, oh, this is going to be quite a game. Yep. And it's just a – it's a – Micah Parsons beats Zach Tom clean twice, gets picked up by Aaron Jones. Both are huge plays in the game. Nobody notices it because never, he never touches the quarterback. So there's like you look at those plays and they played really well. And there's but there's you're always like you're it's like you're you're always right there. I think what happens with this game is first of all, Aaron Jones is just playing on a different level right now, a play speed wise, like the vision, the way he's running, like downhill running behind his pads. Elton Jenkins had a really, really good game as far as being able to move humans. And, and he did some things in that game, like taking second level players, like Michael Parsons coming on the A-gap, like dog and, and you know, stopped him cold and, and it was able to turn bodies. So I thought they did a pretty good, I, I th- listen, I think they played well. I think anytime, like Aaron Jones is a force multiplier now because he becomes one of that, he becomes that guy where offensive linemen would never admit this, but you, it's not that you're blocking harder, but you have this belief that he can take it house all the time. And if you don't have that belief in the game, like it's a, it, it just feels like a little bit more of a grinded out. Um, but they certainly are playing with a lot of belief that that he can, he can take it sixty every time he touches the ball, and he's he's certainly backing it up. I, I think at the end of the game, you love getting in those games as offensive linemen because like you could just see the defeat on the face of the Dallas Cowboys. And what I loved about it from an offensive line standpoint was they really put the pressure on and really made those guys feel it in the in the latter half of that game when they had opportunities to run. Um I thought the tight ends did a great a great job. I mean this is for me this was in a very easy like put the put the ball in 12 or put the the game into 12 personnel and run the football as long as you want because I think I didn't think they could stop him in their base defense and uh, that it kind of turned out to be the, the case just and it was just the way their defensive tackles play. Like their defensive tackles play in nickel they play a lot better against double teams than they do in base. So it's just kind of a it's a technique thing. But they, they had a really hard time um, in 12 personnel. I thought we did a, a hell of a job running the football in that situation. And, you know, obviously, as you can see, it opens up everything else in the passing game. Yeah, in the second half, it felt like some of those bigger runs were opening up far more frequently. Dallas wasn't, you know, like you said, almost looked defeated at times and then sets up a lot of the play action stuff as well through the course of the game. Um, I want to ask you about right guard. A few weeks ago, they stopped the left tackle rotation. Um, Rashid Walker eventually just outplayed Yash Nyman, and they decided to go with Rashid full-time. They've still been rotating Sean Ryan and John Runyon Jr. a little bit. Are you still liking the competition, or do you feel like one of those guys should just have that job at this point? Uh, it's 
Who at this point? Who cares? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're 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 game to game, anyways. Whatever you guys, it, it clearly isn't affecting. I don't know how much it's affecting their play, but it, it's not affecting Zach, and it's not it's not doesn't seem to be affecting Josh Myers. Um, so I I would just there hasn't been a definitive. I think the other the other one was different for me because you know Rashid was like he's definitively better than Josh in a lot of areas. Yeah. Um, I don't know that you can say that now about either one of those guys at the right guard position. So, you know, but uh, it's, it yeah, just keep going. I mean, listen, we're game to game here. So let's, yeah. just, let's just keep this thing rolling. No, it makes a ton of sense. Um, all right. We, we talked a little bit about this, uh, this Packers offensive game plan. Um, anything else that you noticed that Green Bay really did well? And I guess more importantly, is, is this repeatable or are just Dallas's flaws in this game what made this open up so well for Green Bay? And I know it's going to be tougher against San Fran in some capacity, but yeah. how much of what they did against uh, Dallas can be repeatable against, whether it's the 49ers or anyone moving forward? Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy well I, I mean i think if we're being honest the, the the packers the packers didn't they didn't run new plays right like they didn't do anything they're they're executing at a higher level than they were yeah the, the the receivers and the quarterback are on, on the same page more often and, and more precise like you know identify communicate next year they're doing that at a higher level than they have at you know months prior but they're not this is this is the same playbook um and you're just well, all, all you're always doing is refining based on personnel and, and obviously in, in, in individual matchups. And I think what you're going to find this week is you know, I, the Dallas Cowboys were rated high. If you watch tape, you don't believe it, right? If when the, the San Francisco 49ers are rated high, when you watch tape, it confirms it. They're really yeah. good. Their box seven is the best box seven in national football. League. I mean, they're I, they might be three deep in the defensive line. Uh, they're the only people that are in the contention for best linebacker duo are, are the two all pros in the in Baltimore, like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are, they're a cheat code on, on film. It's ridiculous how, how special they are. They've got, you know, they lost to Fonga and they're still, their secondary still playing well. I mean, they're, they're just a really, really good defense. They're they have the best D line coach in the business. Um, they, they flock to the football all over. And what I like about them is, and I think where the opportunity is like, quite frankly, is, they like to switch up their coverages right right before the snap. 
the Packers are going to play into that a little bit with all the motion that, that we've been doing. And, and I think you're going to see a lot more kind of double motion. So in any words, you, you, you start, you move to a spot, then you start your motion before you start the play. Cause you're going to want to give Jordan inf- Jordan love as much information as possible pre snap. But um, yeah, th- this, this San Francisco 49 team is, is the real deal in every facet. And I, and I don't, you know, again, like we talked about last week with, with, with the Cowboys, the Cowboys are a lot of things, but they're just not, they just don't prove to do well in the postseason. I think a lot of that just has a lot to do with their personnel, the way they play. But, you know, we talked about it a little bit the way that Jerry puts pressure on that team. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about Packers 49ers uh, towards the end of the episode. But I'm really interested to see how Green Bay does against this test because I do think it's going to be a lot different as well against San Francisco this week. And doesn't get, get much harder than what Green Bay has facing uh, ahead of them this week on Saturday in San Francisco. Um, let's move to the defensive side of the ball. Um, along the defensive front, you mentioned already Kenny Clark had some some great plays against Tyler Smith. I thought he had a really impressive game. Um, what impressed you up front against uh, the the Cowboys this past week? Well, I thought one of the keys to the game was those guys winning some individual matchups, and you know our ability to it, our ability to get into like our base defense and just get singled up. I thought was going to be the key to the game. Uh, the, the Cowboys thought they were going to play smash mouth football uh, instead of like we talked about spreading them out. And for whatever reason, they kind of stayed with that for a large part of the first half and really struggled, I think, in the run game because of it. Our defensive tackles did a really good job of, of, of extending out and resetting the line of scrimmage and allowed our linebackers to play downhill a little bit more. Um, you know, there were, some, there were some plays. I think there was a play where you know, Quay might have had a tackle for loss. And if you really watch, you know, if you're watching tape, T.J. Slayton reset the line of scrimmage with the center. Kenny Clark reset the line of scrimmage with the right guard. And it's like when you got guys playing like that at a high level um, – it's it just makes everybody else look a lot better. It, it it amplifies the performance of the rest of your team. So it all starts up front. I thought the tackles did a great job. Obviously, um, you know Preston and company setting the edge. You'd like to see. I, you know we're not seeing a lot of pressure from Rashawn Gary. Um, you know that's probably a different conversation as to why that's not happening. But you do see a lot of a, a lot of good work over there by Preston on the other side. Obviously Van Ness had kind of the, the coverage shack late with a, with a good bull on, on Trian Smith at the end. Um, you just got to – I think for the last three weeks, those guys have played at a high level, and if they continue on, you have a chance, especially this 49ers team, we'll get into it. But, you know, they're really special at one position across the offensive line, not five positions. The Rashawn Gary stat that shocked me, I just saw it a little bit ago. Green Bay played 90 defensive snaps in this game. How many snaps of those 90 do you think Rashawn Gary played? I don't think he plays as much as everybody thinks. I've been saying that for weeks, man. Like their rotation is, and and like these, he starts out even if they're at the twenty. Like the the tradition is, if you start the forty or in, like you're forty back, forty to goal line, then you want your starters in because you want the punt field position. You're playing a field position game. Yep. Forty to forty, you let it go. Forty back in now to the goal line. As far as forty going into the end zone, you're trying to prevent. The field goal. Yep. So, so the time you get the rotation is like in the middle of the field. And, dude, he's out all the time. Like, I, I don't understand what's happening. So that's when you say, Andy Barry, you know, he got hurt. What are you going to do? Like, just play your starters. Like, it's not a, this isn't rocket science. He played 39 out of the 90 snaps in this Maybe game. He, he might be hurt. Nobody knows about it. Yeah, I don't think he was on the injury. Not that that necessarily is a tell, but like, I don't think he's, I think he, I, I wonder if he's wearing down from coming off the ACL injury um, last year and not playing a full year last year. And then they obviously brought him back week one. And I don't know what it is, but uh, he hasn't looked the same. And again, only 39 snaps in a 90 snap game was like a jarring number for me. Like I would have expected at least to be half in that situation. Um, not that six snaps is all that important, especially in a game that you're winning by a ton, but 
uh, yeah, it's just been really weird for, for him. And I feel like he does have to have a big week. And that was going to be one of my next questions is how they were, you know, cover for this loss of Inigbari. It's not like Inigbari was like one of their top impact players, but yeah. he is a rotational player that does come in for, um, you know, Preston and, and Rashawn and, and um, LVN. Uh, they've got Brenton Cox still on the roster, but to your point, it just feels like maybe Smith and Gary are just going to have to play a little bit more. Which I think, I think is fine. I don't, you know, I, as I'm sitting here, I remember that I've, I had teammates and you probably could guess, you know, at least in Green Bay, who they were, where some guys just decided at some point in their career after their second contract that they were pass rushers and they don't want to play. They don't want to play in the, in the beginning. And, and that might be what's happening there. I'm not saying that's what it is at all because yeah. I don't know the situation, but I do know that people get on their second contracts and they fancy themselves like, oh, no, no I, I want my third down. I want my rush my rush lanes. I don't want to play the run because I don't want to get worn down. And especially if he's coming off, you know, the ACL, maybe that maybe that he has some some just some wear and tear that we're unaware of. But it is perplexing because you like this week, like he, he should win this week. I'm just I'll just say it right. We'll talk about it. But we'll say it right now. He should win this week um, if they don't play. But if if they need to rotate like. Honestly, you can put Colby Wooden out at defense. At the way they play defensive end, just put his hand on the ground. Tell him to play defensive end, even if you want him to stand up. Like you have guys that can play that position, but Preston and Rashawn, they should be your starters. Should be playing uh, 70 percent of the snaps. You know, it yep. shouldn't be less than fifty. It should be seventy percent of the snaps. So, um, I, and, and I'm sure they're more than capable of doing that. So maybe this is just one of those times during the year you gotta you gotta buck up a little bit. For for Rashawn, if it was that like let's say he wants to be more of a pass rusher and just wants to play more of the third down snaps, I'm even like oh, okay with that if he has the huge impact as a pass rusher. But mm-hmm. he's had three pressures this past two weeks, um, at least as charted by PFF, which is another conversation. But um, three pressures these past two weeks. <laughs> I see you shaking your head. Um, and then uh, you know doesn't have any. He's had like one sack since his three sack performance. Uh, what was like eight eight weeks ago. Uh, just I don't know. It just hasn't totally been there. And to your point, I think he needs to have a big game against McKibbitts this week. Yeah, no doubt. He'll, and hopefully he will. There's certainly some opportunities there. It's all over tape. Like it's the blueprint to beat their right side of the offensive line for the Niners is all over tape. So all you got to do is watch it. Uh, you mentioned earlier uh, Dallas ranked high on defense. You watched the tape. It didn't confirm it. Mm-hmm. San Francisco ranked high on defense. You watched the tape. It confirmed it. Green Bay not ranked great on defense. These past three weeks, though, watching the tape, what have you seen? Is it confirmed that eh, it's just not a very good defense, or have you seen something transition where it's at least better? Well, uh, if we're just talking about last week in particular, listen, I think since Jair Alexander came back, he you know, came back the first play of the Chicago game and blew up their their, their fullback and their tight end, started, you know, set the tone for the game. This week, second the second was well, second series, he gets the pick. Yep. Really, that's the that's game. I mean, it was the called game right there. But I think more importantly, you watch pre-snap. He's communicating. He's pointing. He's directing on that play. Um, you watch earlier, both in plays before that and after, very physical and tackling. You know, he's he's doing like he's doing the things that you expect your all-pro cornerback to do um, at a high level and kind of leading that that part of the unit. Obviously, you see the pick six by Darnell Savage. And it's like, again, you 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 go, Dak, 
bro, your eye, like you have to at least look where you're throwing. Like Darnell, way to go. Great play on reading your eye. Like Darnell did exactly what he was supposed to do. Read the eyes of the quarterback. He's supposed to take inside. Oh, quarterback's not even going to look at him. Okay, I'll jump the outside slant, right? And conversely, at Dak, you go, dude, did you not even look? Yeah, that was that was nuts. So um, I think the guy I think if you're going to point to one thing and it was one of the keys to the game for me was we just have to tackle when they make catch. Like they're going to catch balls in the flat. Isaiah McDuffie did it early on. Uh, I think Ferguson caught a ball in the flat. And it was like tackle for a two yard loss. Yep. And really, when you watch Dallas uh, against Detroit a couple of weeks before. Detroit lost that game on like these big plays where they either fell down or missed tackles uh, defensively. And so everything else, they were physically dominant against the Cowboys. So if you watch that game, you go, okay, I feel like we can be physically dominant. Like we're at the same level physically as the Detroit lions. Then all we have to do, and this sounds again, simple, not easy. We don't have to, if we just don't miss tackles, we're going to be in really good shape. I think that's what the Packers did for the most part, at least until listen, in the second half and things open up and you're up by a lot. Like I, it's not even worth watching that film, to be honest with you. It's throwaway stuff. But the the first half of this game is where the, the game was really won and lost. And, you know, for me, they just did a really good job being, you know, being the more physical team, being first to the ball, resetting the line of scrimmage, most importantly, tackling. Yeah, when the game was in the balance, it was a totally different defense. Then, again, it's, it's easy to get a sour taste in your mouth after two touchdown drives, the two-point conversions. But it was – it, it was uh, it was fake money. It was fool's gold. It didn't really matter, yeah. like you said. When the game was in the balance, the defense played well. And obviously, as we get to Packers 49ers, that, that tackling and making sure that those three, four, five-yard gains don't turn into 40, 50-yard gains against guys like Ayuk, Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Kittle, et cetera, going to be ultra-important this week as well. Before we get there, one last thought. Anders Carlson continues to struggle, specifically with extra points. Rookie kickers, we know, and just young kickers can have a ton of volatility uh, Rich Passaccia, Matt LaFleur, sticking with him, still confident in him. Um, your thoughts on on his struggles and just like how worried you would be about in a playoff game where every point is going to matter, that potentially being the difference in a game like this. If your kicker, well, I mean, you got one job. I mean, if your kicker can't make kick, like your kicker is everybody's best friend until he doesn't make kicks. Yeah, It's just, it's just a sad reality of the sport. And if if you've got a guy right now that's not that's not hitting him, and if you're asking if you're asking the locker room like, are they concerned? They're going to say outwardly no, but they're also like, I'll, I'll give it to you like this. There was a time in my career where you know we didn't have a good kicker on certain teams, and you were like, hey man, we're not settling for the field goal. If it was like a game winning drive, like we're not we're not getting to the thirty or the twenty five, like we're getting to the end zone. Yeah. And then, but like when we had Longwell, it was like, hey guys, 25 or 30, 32 yard line, we're good. Like we're winning this game, right? We trust in Ryan. So it's just, it's the way that they perceive themselves. So they put a little bit of pressure, I think, puts a little bit more pressure on that offense in particular. Um, if you know that kicker's struggling. Cause if he's, I mean, let's, cut, if he's missing chip shots and he's going to miss the 32 yard too. He's, he's such an interesting kicker because he's struggled more with extra points than he has with field goals. He's had 50 yarders that he's just crushed right through the uprights. And then again, this extra point this week never even looked close. It's just, he's, yeah. I don't know. There's, there, it doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason. There's definitely been a couple where high snap, bad hold have affected him. And then there's other ones where again, this week, again, I'm not, I'm, I can pretend to be a lot of things. I can't pretend to be a long snapper or hold or a timing expert on field goals and extra points, but by the naked eye, it looks all clean. And it just, again, not even close. Just It's a really interesting process and hopefully it just gets in a rhythm and can crush everything the remainder of the way. But that's definitely going to be one to keep an eye on as well. Go for two. Go for two. There you go. Easy. Um, Packers, 49ers, Saturday night football. 
Um, actually, I have a really a quick question for you because I've been talking about this this week and you can just tell me if I'm an idiot and I'll be, I'm hoping that I am. Uh, the Packers played 90 snaps of defense this past week. Mm-hmm. Um, not obviously all of their defense. We just talked about Rashawn Gary played 39 of those 90, but that's a ton of snaps. It's a short week. Uh, you're on the road. You go to San Fran. How, how much can that be aware on a defense going into a first of all, a game against San Francisco in general is going to be tough. And now you've got arrested San Fran against a defense that just played 90 snaps. Something there, nothing there. Nothing Where would there. you do that? Nothing, nothing there. there. All right. Yeah, nothing there. No, nah, it's your play. It's it's playoff. It's playoff football. I mean, you got nothing. To, what are you saving yourself for? Fair Listen, the, the 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 lie in the lie in football is that there's there's like two hard days in the week. There's one. You have one hard day a week. They don't even practice anymore. Yeah. I bet you if you if you went to the Packers practice, half is walked through. More than half. Yeah. So like you, you don't 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 add, don't ever think. Listen, if they don't condition themselves, and that's a problem. And I'm not saying they don't. But if a team's like if a team plays ninety and they can't play the next week, it's because they don't take care of their bodies. That's the only, that is literally the only reason. Awesome. I'm glad I asked because now I can get that away. And I like I love that you have the expertise, and um, we can just put that to bed. All right, uh, Packers 49ers. Uh, what are you going to be watching for? We mentioned obviously a, a smattering of things that were already uh, talked about through the course of this episode. But uh, what are some of your keys to this game as you're going to be you're watching it on Saturday night? Uh... <sighs> This, first of all, I think the Packers are looking at hopefully their future selves on offense. I mean, this is this is a team where you look at from a skill position standpoint, the way they move bodies around, and they they have guys that like all their guys don't fit tradition don't fit only into their traditional roles, so they can do multiple things. They can line up, block, run, throw, cat. I mean, they can do everything. And so, you know, I, I just I think I put up a screenshot. It's like you got the best running back in the in the game, the best tight end in the game, an absolute unicorn, Debo Samuel, the best fullback in the game, uh, a top 10 receiver in IU. You got a kid that can throw the ball over the yard. Like everyone's talking about this kid's arm strength, no arm strength problems at all. Yep. That is absolute. I mean, this kid, had great arm, great anticipation, like very, very unique actually for that age. You, the ability to anticipate throws in Brock Purdy. They have a Hall of Fame Probably the most physically dominant lineman since Larry Allen. He's not Larry Allen, but probably the most physically dominant lineman since Larry Allen as far as, like, guys are in front of him going, please don't hurt me. Um, so they've got they've got an offense that can just wear you out. I think that the, the keys – when I watch their team, when I watch them offensively, the the two guys that are unicorns really are, are George Kittle and Juszczyk. Yep. They do like, you know, and, and Williams to some extent, but really Kittle and Juszczyk are, when you look across the entire National Football League, Kittle and Juszczyk are in a different, like they are, their ability to do different stuff is at a higher level than anybody else in their peer group. And I think that's what, like you can find another good thrower and a receiver and running back, but there's nobody like those two in the league, at least a pair of them that can do the amount of things that they do on the line of scrimmage, off the line of scrimmage, in motion, passing game, run game. And that, I think, trying to figure out how to deal with those guys in particular is a big, is a, is a big, big matchup problem. Um, often, or defensively, the other thing is you got to take away the hash throws. Like, they live in between the, the, the hash marks. Like, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, they, they live in the – they make so many yards – underneath or behind the safe or behind the linebackers and, uh, and underneath the safeties. So yeah. like all their play action stuff, like you have to, the linebackers have a really tough job this week because 
you've got to be completely dialed into all the motion that you're probably going to condense your defensive playbook and call sheet, but you got to be completely dialed into what you're doing. You have to win up front. Your linebackers have to be able to see the run, probably, you know, stay off until you see it, then go like a bat out of hell. But then if it's back, you got to get deep, man. Cause like Kittle is making a living in those hash marks right now. And, um, if you don't stop either one of those things, they'll beat you because they can just put up too many points. Right. Uh, then defensively, like, I guess bottom line, like Andy, like defensively, they're the best box seven in the league. This is a trenches game. If your defensive line, offensive line plays really well this week, they're going to do, you're going to have success in it because I think everybody else is like our wide receivers are thinking I can score points on anybody. Our quarterback right now thinks he can score points on anybody. This is going to come down to, can you stop the front four from the, the San Francisco 49ers? So you give your, your, your guys opportunities to hit those like deeper developing routes. And then, def- and then defensively, They've got Trent Williams and those other two guys, and they're elite, elite, elite. Can't say it enough times. You should be able to beat the rest of that line. Jake Brendel's a good center. He's a really good center. But the other three guys are just guys. And, and yeah. like, you have to be able to take advantage of your matchups and win up there because if you don't win up there, like Kyle Shanahan, if they were doing a thought leader convention at, like, running motion and all that offensive, like, he's the first speaker. He's the guy. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, he's – he and so – um you know, for me, you have to be able to like this turns into like it Jimmy just uh, Jimmy's and Joe's game. Like you're not going to beat them scheme wise. You better beat them up front with some physical matchups. And if you do that, I think it, it gives your your linebackers and your secondary a real chance to be successful. I think you have to, especially on defense for Green Bay. If if, if you can't win up front against their offensive lineman not named Trent Williams, I just I don't know how you can stick with all of those weapons all day long. I want to add on top of that by asking. When they are in just their their base personnel, use Jack Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, and McCaffrey, it just feels like first of all, if they, whether you're in base or nickel, whatever you want to run, if you are if they, they can run on you still, um, but if you're like if you're going to go big, they can spread you out. Green Bay has had issues, you know, when they've been spread out um, over the course of the past. Tampa Bay it was a big one. Like I, I don't even know like how they try to match up with this 49ers team. It just feels like Shanahan's going to have them in a blender all day long. I think the hard part about this is when you, when you're, uh, when you're a base three, four defense and you don't like your matchups with your two outside guys in the slot, which we don't, you really want to be in like the other, Oh, well, guess we'll play nickel. Well, you don't really like nickel here at all. Like you like, what you really like is you want to play like a four, three, um, and attack that way, or or you can you can play your five da- you can play your five downs. So you can do your nickel look and just put your linebacker on the line of scrimmage like we do with Devondre every once in a while. Because you really want to try to find the individual like the one on one blocks. Like you need to win your one on one blocks, and that's that's hard to do if you're in if you're in a, a four three. You're gonna get two doubles at the point at the point of attack. So you know it's it's a really really tough thing, but. If you want to stay in your base, like, hey, this is what we run. We're going to live and die by the sword. Then that means you're going to run a ton of zone outside. You're going to try to keep your guys at the line of scrimmage talking about Preston and Rashawn Gary or whoever's going to play there. You want to keep them at or near the line of scrimmage. You can have if you're going to drop them, you want to drop them into the flat. And it's just like last week. You got to get the guys back. Linebackers got to get their depth, Every get everything in front of you. And you have to rally and tackle to the football like every every team. Very, very few teams can just go down methodically and score every single time. Like this is probably going to be a high scoring game. But if you can if you can just rally tackle to the football, make the tackles. Don't let 
you don't let their screen game get 20 yard gains. Don't let their their hitch your hitch passes get eight yards, right? Like you just rally tackle to the football. You're gonna be okay. You're gonna give up some of that stuff that you're talking about. You're gonna give up the five yard outs. You're gonna you're you're gonna give up the you know the 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 three the three step uh slant on on Preston Smith. You're gonna lose that matchup. But that's not going to define the whole game. Like the players, the coaches won't call that the entire time. What you need to do is you you have to win the gimmies, like all the offensively and defensively. Take the gimmies. If they're blitzing, throw it to the open guy. Make a miss, make him make a tackle. If if we're going to play off, rally tackle to the football. Like it's going to be that kind of. We can break out all the scheme and everything, and yeah. and, and it's fun to do, and I, I I do it. But really, you just have to block and tackle really well this week, and you're going to be okay. It definitely feels like a fundamentals game. And that I feel like is what the defense has been doing a little bit better these past few weeks. It's just making it harder for opposing offenses. They can't match up, but they can certainly make things more difficult. And it just feels like if Green Bay can keep them in the mid-20s or under, they're going to have a chance. And if it's in the mid-30s or over, it's going to be a whole heck of a lot harder this week. So that's going to kind of be what I'm watching as well. Um, uh, last question, and I'll get you out of here. Are you more afraid of the ball being in Brock Purdy's hands or in Christian McCaffrey's hands? Like, what 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 are you trying to take away from San Fran to be like this oh, can't be the way that they beat us? They're, they're a running football team. They're, yeah, they 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 average 140 yards on the ground. I mean, they're running they're a running football team. And look, Brock's good, but Brock's what's his second year? Yep. Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, you saw he turned the ball over four times against the Ravens, uh, what three times against the Vikings. I mean, like he's had games where you go, okay, well, you can still make some mistakes here. I think the key to Brock is that's why collapsing that pocket is going to be so important. You get Brock off the spot with nowhere to go. It's the same kind of thing as Dak a little bit. Like you, you can see where he's going to get heated up, and he's not. He's he's a good athlete. He can get around. He can he can do a lot of stuff. He's he's way better than advertised. But Christian McCaffrey is. You watch some of the stuff on Chris McCaffrey. You're like, dude, he doesn't even it. Like his body doesn't even make sense how he's moving. Like he, his balance and his speed, his power. He's he's a phenomenal athlete. Um, if Christian McCaffrey has a big day, the game is out of reach. I would say that Brock Purdy can throw for 400. We could be in the game. If Christian McCaffrey runs for a buck fifty, the game's probably out of reach because that means they can do literally whatever they want. Do you have? Uh, do you remember what the uh, trade was for Christian McCaffrey? Uh, well, as it turns out, it was like uh, a bucket of peanuts and like a cold beer or something like that. But I, I, all I know, I was on Panther. I was, you know, Panthers group chat was not happy with uh, how that's turned out. Was a 2023 second, third, and fourth round pick, and a 2024 fifth round pick. So a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth did not give up a first round pick in that trade. And 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 remind me, I think he makes 17 million dollars a year. He's the highest paid running back in the league, and one of the few guys who makes that kind of money. But uh, at the time, as I recall, this is Tepper, and he did not want to pay Christian what Christian thought he was valued at, and it was like Christian at the time. You know, they're just coming off key, uh, some really good years. And, but at the time, you're kind of looking around like, dude, this is your only guy. Like, you have, you know, you had DJ Moore at the time. He was your only real dude. And they didn't have a great offensive line. And I just remember, and I think he had just been hurt twice. He had pulled his hammy twice. He, he'd come back and pulled it again. And I just remember thinking, like, he's got to think he just died and went to heaven. Like, this is the best – like, there's not a better offense in the league for Christian McCaffrey than Kyle Shanahan's offense. 
his contract's a joke for what he's worth. He's got, I mean, they've done some cap gymnastics on it, but he's only making his cap number is only 3.4 million this year. Mm -hmm. It's 14 million the next two years. And then they have a dead cap hit of 4 million in 2026 on a void year. That's just, he's going to get like, it's going to hit the salary cap no matter what, but, but uh, 21, 33 years, 35 million over these three years. Like it's yeah. Joke. It is a joke. He's a freak of a player and is going to be really tough to stop this week. Mike, uh, any other final thoughts? Packers 49ers, anything else you want to rant or get off your chest? Uh, the floor is yours. I just think this is going to be a really good – I think both Saturday games, I think the Baltimore-Houston game is going to be a really good game. I think this is going to – I think this could be a really good game. You actually you played so well last week. You start squinting at this game a little bit hard. I mean, I know it's like a nine-and-a-half-point spread, but – Gosh, if if the Packers continue, I guess the best thing about this this game right now is like I don't I don't ever feel like you're on house money. Like you're always trying to win a championship and, and all and all of that stuff. But you're literally playing like your big brothers this weekend. Like you, you yeah. know what I mean? Like this is this is such a good test because I feel like if you it's like Jordan and the Pistons, it's like Brett and the and, and you know and the it was the Cowboys that you just couldn't get over the hump. You start going like this is the team that you want to be, and they're set up in the right like they were built the right way. John, like you remember John Lynch when he got hired off out of the booth. Like I remember going like because I love John. Like John, no, he's he's a he's one of the he's a real dude. And I remember thinking like, man, I hope this isn't another Matt Millen thing where yep. you know you just you you ruin a team for decades with your your ineptitude. But he has done him and Kyle have done such a good job out there just building the team the right way, and they just they just continue. To uh, I guess the other thing, and I'm I'm gushing over the Niners, which I'm not even a Niners fan, but I They're think the way out. I think the way that you I like Matt Lafleur's offense, Sean McVay's offense, Mike McDaniel's, the way that they have gone away from just tradition and said, look, we're just gonna find like these dudes, like let's find out what they're really good at, and just have them do that as often as possible, and then just pinpoint what the mismatch is. So. We're going to put five guys out there that can do a bunch of stuff. We're going to put them in different places. Whatever the defense does, like we know that we have a mismatch somewhere with one, like, and I'm talking about like me versus you is a mismatch somewhere, right? Yep. And then we're just going to exploit the hell out of you until you change it. Like, I just love like this of all out of all the dressing and everything, they're just a smack out downhill, fun to watch football team. And like that part of it, I just, I'm a big fan. It's good football. I mean, we're yeah. both football people. We both enjoy watching good football done the right way. Um, and San Francisco really is is built it the right way too. And I know they get Brock Purdy as Mr. Irrelevant, the last, you know, last pick in the draft and whatever, but like overall, Kittle's homegrown, Yuschuk's homegrown, I believe. I mean, no, I'm wrong on that. I think Yuschuk was not homegrown, I don't think, but Kittle was homegrown. Um, obviously Debo. Yeah, like Mike, Vrabel, Mike Vrabel wasn't homegrown in, in the Patriots. Like they made him, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, exactly. like Trent, Very well yeah, yeah. I mean the, the, what are the big pickups they made? Trent Williams. Okay. Huge pickup and McCaffrey. Yeah. Right. Javon and Javon Hargrave. Like they lose to the Eagles. They should, they knew they were the better team. They're like, screw it, man. We'll just take their best D tackle. Like, you know, if they're just, and they can do it. Like they have enough cap space. It's just, yeah, they built their the right way. Man. It's fun to watch. They do. And it certainly is Mike. Amazing stuff as always. Uh, tell everyone where you can find all of your amazing podcast content and anything else you want to plug. 
Yeah, Michael 68 on Twitter, X process to perform on Instagram. Uh, the On My Block podcast, the preview shows out for this this upcoming game. You can find it on the process to perform channel on YouTube. Andy, thanks for having me as always. A lot of fun. Appreciate you, man. Go find all of his work uh, on the YouTube channel. Again, you can find him at Mike Wall 68. You can find me at Andy Herman NFL and the podcast at Packaday Podcast. That's going to do it for us today. Hopefully, we're back talking about uh, either what Packers Buccaneers or Packers Lions next week. Packers we Lions, shall see. Man. Let's go. Yeah, it'd be so much fun. Uh, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Go.